Hey, welcome back to the Life Winners Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well today. There's some really interesting things that happened in the world of watches in the last week. And so I thought I would kind of go over some of them, especially with April Fools uh, being one of the days that, that passed this last week. Um, so what I thought I'd talk about is um, talk about some of the April Fools watches, April Fools Day watches that were released by various people. Um, we did make a video about one of them, but I thought we'd talk about another one. And then we would also, uh, I also want to go over a big change that Patek Philippe made to their um, extracts from the archives uh, policies um, and um, ha what that change is going to have on the kind of world of watches. So um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you are new to the Life on the Wrist podcast, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, we are basically in any podcasting platform. You can check us out. Um, so be sure to do that. And if you haven't followed us on our social medias, be sure to do that as well. There will be links in the show notes to every single one of those places. So um, you can check us out there. So I thought I would talk about um, the April Fool's Day watches that were released uh, this this last week. April Fool's Day obviously was, a I thought was actually, people participated in it a lot more than I have seen in other um in other years um, perhaps it's just because I haven't been paying as much attention to it um, but this year there were some really funny funny things that, pe that companies did not just watch companies but other companies in general um, I think one that was very very popular was um, Hodinkee launching their first branded watch um, they released a, an article on their on their um, on their website which was called introducing our very first Hodinkee branded watch and uh, yeah, it's it's insane. It's, it's this um, weird cushion formed case with like f like four crowns and like uh, Rolex hands, but then the, the dial is kind of like a marble. And there's a date that's off center. And I'll put a link in the in the in the show notes so you can see this watch. But basically, it's every a watch that no one would like. And then obviously the big thing is that they have this massive Hodinkee logo um, at 12 o'clock. And so in the article, they actually go through, like, you know, they go through where it began, what the watch is on, like, um, what what is on the, the the complications that are on it, the type of dial, all that kind of thing. And they have, it's basically one of, like, one of their introducing posts. I think the funniest part was when they started talking about the movement and they said it was the ETA 2824. Um, and... Um, you know, then they talk about the, um, they talk about the, um, about the, uh, size of it. They said that, you know, with 21 millimeter lug width, which is just such an abnormal lug width, um, it's got, it was, it's 48.5 millimeters to suit the modern taste. I thought that was really funny because that's a massive piece. Um, and then uh, the last line basically says the watch will be available exclusively to Hodinkee commenter, uh, commenters so obviously it's an april fool's um day joke the tag on this article is very serious articles um so obviously people went to town um and then one thing i don't know if a lot of people will see but if you look at the url for this um article it's hodinkee.com slash articles and then um the kind of tag after that is look at the date people so I think they, in very subtle ways, they really played into um, the fact that it was April Fool's and they were going to kind of chuckle at themselves. Obviously, Hodenkee has got, gotten a lot of slack for the things they've released and um, 
I'm not going to say it's rightfully so. I'm not going to say they shouldn't get the, the sack. I'm kind of just going to remain neutral. I'm going to remain, remain Swiss. Um, but, um, you know, I'm glad that they can kind of laugh at themselves and say, you know, these are things that you guys don't like. We're going to pretend like we are going to make something like this. And, and hopefully it gives you a, a nice chuckle. Um, I, I certainly had a, had a laugh at it. Um, I had friends who, who texted me and were like, are they being serious? And I think they actually did catch some people um, with this April Fool's Day joke. So a very funny way of, of spending the day. And I think, I think, you know, it's, it's important. And I think I'm going to talk about the other April Fool's Day watch um, in a second, but that, that this kind of concept relates to. But I think it's important that you, that watch manufacturers don't take themselves too seriously and can, can still laugh at themselves. Obviously watchmaking, there's, you know, specific principles and ways to finish, finish movements. And it's it sometimes can be very, very serious. Um, but I think it's important that we were able to laugh at ourselves and, and yeah, uh, hold your hands up when, when perhaps people didn't like something that you did or, or something like that. So, um, kudos to, to Hodinky for doing that. Um, then the other watch I wanted to talk about was a watch that we did a video on. Uh, I'll put a link to our article where we, where we, um, where we talk about this watch. Um, and this was from H Moser and they made a watch that has this really funny pixelated eraser on the dial of the watch. Turns out that that pixelated eraser is actually the hours hand. So, um, it's a very typical H Moser watch, stainless steel case, blue fume dial, um, really beautiful, you know, it gets lighter kind of sunburst, um, sunburst pattern and it gets darker as you kind of go towards the outsides, uh, the outer edges of the watch. No hours indicators, it's a really, really simple dial. Um, only complications you have are center seconds, minutes hand, and hours hand. And um, that eraser is basically the thing, that pixelated eraser is the thing that really stands out, um, which is actually your hours hand. And so obviously this was posted on Instagram and everyone thought it was an April Fool's Day joke. It's hilarious to look at the comments on H. Moser's thing because people were actually taking it very, very seriously. Um, I think it's because they were taking this so seriously because this is actually a watch. This watch is a limited edition that was produced by H. Moser um, in collaboration with Seconde Seconde. And um, there are actually 22 or 20 pieces of this. They're retailing for about 21,000 uh, US dollars. Um, but you can pick one of these up and I'm pretty sure they're all sold uh, at this point. Um, I think this is another example of you know, H. Moser is obviously some, uh, a watch brand that does things against the grain and they're not going to, you know, they will do what they want to do when they have some, side of, some sort of satire in their, in their design departments, I think. And I think this is another example of that where they're kind of just going with the flow and, and reminding us that, um, you know, watchmaking can be very serious at times, but you should also be able to have a little bit of fun with it. And I think that's a, this H. Moser is a really great example of that. Like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes to the article that we wrote about this um, this piece. Um, we also have a video that accompanies it, so you can check that out on our, on our YouTube channel. But it, it'll all be in the, in the link uh, on the article on our website. So those are the April Fool's uh, Day watches I wanted to talk about. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that Patek Philippe was changing the way that it issues the extracts from their archive for uh, the watches that that, um, that they sell. So prior to this change, uh, you were able to 
um, ask Patek Philippe to send you an extract from their archive on any watches that were produced, that were sold, um, or so, excuse me, that were older than five years. Um, and it would take them about 12 weeks to gather the data and get the extract for you. And this cost about 150 Swiss francs. And this was a way that you could really get information <clears throat> like the type of watch, the movement numbers, the caliber of that movement, the case number, the style of the watch, the type of dial, the date of manufacturing, <clears throat> the date of sale, the bracelet style, the strap style, and then any additional information that's, that would be useful to have for the history of that watch. And it was an easy way to kind of track where this watch has been, what's happened to this watch, um, verify that everything is, is, is correct with this piece. And I think a lot of collectors really appreciate it, especially the vintage watch collectors where, you know, vintage watches are older and so they've probably been through a couple hands, which isn't great, but um, you can kind of get some reassurance if, if everything kind of lines up with that extract with your watch. But that is changing. Uh, they have changed kind of the process. Uh, as of April 21st, uh, Patek Philippe uh, will be uh, is making some changes to their rules. So um, only watches that were sold um, before or on only watches that were sold from 1989 and before will be eligible for extracts from their archives. Um, they also uh, were able to uh, reduce the amount of time that it would take from um, 12 weeks to 10 weeks but they did increase the price of the service to 500 Swiss francs. So previously it was 150, it went up to 500 Swiss francs. And I think the watch community is fairly opinionated on, on this. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I think a lot of people think that um, this is a really bad change for collecting uh, Patek Philippe watches. And I can see where that, where that, where that comes from. Uh, and I, and you know, certainly it's, it makes it a little bit difficult to get, um, to get information about your watch. Patek Philippe stated that they really wanted to refocus the fundamental role of their extracts from their archives to be focused on vintage watches that were sold, um, uh, before 1989 and not on modern watches. I think what was becoming very common is, um, collectors and resellers were, uh, requesting extracts from the archives to really act as almost like a verification that this watch was real and so they were probably doing a ton of these um, and it really wasn't wasn't helping helping anyone out there from a collector's perspective I think it really puts a wrench in the fact that it's now you know price is obviously a barrier for people to produce for people to do something and so $150 in the relative world of collecting Patek Philippe is a fairly affordable price to get an extract from from an archive for, for uh, a watch. 500 Swiss francs is a little bit more expensive and might be a barrier to some people for getting extracts from their archives. And so um, I think it's really gonna, de I personally think it's gonna decrease the amount of extracts that you're gonna see with vintage Patek Philippe watches. Um, I think also, it you know on the flip side of that, I think it's going to make watches that have extracts from their archives even more um, expensive or valued at a little bit higher um, place than, than watches without extracts because someone did go to the trouble to do this and it does meet their, their kind of qualifications. Um, what I did find interesting was that 1989 date, um, 
you know, I'm thinking, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, is that date going to change? Because I think the definition for vintage watches changes um, as every passing day. Um, and so, you know, 1989 now is 10 years from now, they're going to increase it to 1999 because the 90s pieces are going to be considered vintage at that point. I'm not really sure. Um, so that's something that I, I kind of caught my mind when I was thinking about this as well. Um, so a big change, big change for Patek Philippe. I know other brands have similar services and I wonder if they're going to do something similar to kind of follow one of the Holy Trinity brands. Who knows? Um, but we will, we will have to see. I will admit, I think Omega is like a shining light when it comes to their um, relations with customer relations with people who are looking for information about their vintage watches. So uh, maybe I'll do a, a podcast where I kind of go into, you know, the insane types of services that they they provide you uh, compared to other brands. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Life Runners podcast. If you haven't, go check out the uh, show notes. We'll have links to all of these big announcements in our show notes. If you are not following this podcast, be sure to follow us. And if you wouldn't mind rating this podcast for us, it really would help us out. If you want to check out more content from us, be sure to hit up our social medias where we post basically daily. You can also check out our website where we have our all of our blogs up there. And with that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.